I love that, refers to himself in the third person. Do you ever pray that? Lord, remember John. As if, hello, that is me. Uh, Lord, remember David and all his problems, all of his afflictions, all of his dramas. Uh, I got to tell you that the problems that were loaded on David were remarkable. Uh, He's been chased around the desert like some kind of animal by the king. It goes on. I can tell you about David's problems. I mean, David's children. Oh, my gosh. Um, I, we've got three girls and they've fought, you know, in the, in the bathroom or wherever quite often. Uh, um, but I've never had one kill another one. But he had one child kill another child. I mean, his problems went on and on. Uh, he said, Lord, remember David and all his afflictions. But then he says this in verse 3. Surely I will go into the chamber of my house. Um, surely I will not go to the chamber of my house or go, up, uh, or go up to the comfort of my bed. I will not... Give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. So what he's saying is, I'm trying to do the right thing by God. He had the Ark of the Covenant, which was his representation of God. And he says, I won't sleep. All right? I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm not going to just go and hide. I'm going to keep facing my problems, keep facing my issues until I find what I'm looking for. It's just it's the devil. It's what it is. How <laughs> I many know the demons live in these sound systems? I don't know what, what it is. But David understood. David understood the purpose of problems, and that's my issue. You've got to understand the purpose of problems. You've got to understand when things go wrong, uh, there's a reason behind it. Um, once upon a time, David's at the back of the, the, the desert, if you will, uh, looking after a whole bunch of sheep, and this, this bear comes to eat the sheep. Now, if you were a shepherd and you're looking after a few sheep, Maybe there was a hundred sheep or more, and this, this animal, this fearsome animal comes out of the, the forest to eat the sheep. What are you going to do, right? How hard is it to find a few more sheep, right? I mean, come on. They're only going to be killed anyway. So why would you put yourself in harm's way? Why would you stand in the way of the, of the bear and the sheep? Because sheep can reproduce in three months. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, what's, a, what's a sheep worth anyhow? You, you've got a few hundred here. You can reproduce them. Uh, you're not going to get another David pretty quickly. Uh, not only would you have to, you know, go through the whole nine-month process of having a child, but then you've got to grow them up to David. And by David now was a young man. So you couldn't replace David for like, I don't know, maybe 15 years or more, 16 years. You can replace the lambs in a matter of months. And yet David puts himself in the way. It does, doesn't make any sense. But he overcomes this, this, the, the beast that comes uh, out of the... Uh, out of the wilderness to eat his sheep and then what does he do he goes oh well we've overcome that one we'll have another go and then a lion appears and he does the same thing again and these problems come one after the other to try to undermine and to destroy what he's doing but every time he stands up to them and he fights because David understood something that I'm gonna uh, hopefully get us all to understand tonight in a uh, in a profound way and that is everything that happens to you is making who you are. If it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger, as they say. And David was, was preparing to face Goliath and ultimately was preparing for the throne of Israel. 
But God knew he wouldn't be ready unless he took through the process of fighting the bear, fighting the lion, fighting Goliath, standing up against Saul, and eventually taking over the throne of the nation. So the problem solved, uh, had a purpose, uh, solved the question of what is, what is David here for? Um, now, the children of Israel didn't quite get it because, you know, when they came out of Egypt, right? This is history. You know, they were uh, enslaved in Egypt. God brought them out of Egypt through the 10 plagues. You've seen the movie probably. And then through the desert. And it took 40 years to get to the promised land. Did you know that you could literally walk from Egypt to the borders of Israel through the desert in about two and a half days? So two and a half days took 40 long days years to navigate so why why did God take so long well there are a number of reasons but God didn't take them on the the quickest path because he knew that if he got them there in two days right so they come out of Egypt after being slaves for 400 years they go through the desert two days they're at the border of Jericho they're at the border of the promised land and God knew they wouldn't be able to withstand. He knew that they, he, they would not be able to fight the good fight. And so he had to gradually grow them through the process. And they, they fought this group and they fought that group and won. And, and as they came through, they overcome this obstacle, they had that problem. They ran out of food, they ran out of water, they ran out of patience with Moses. And the whole thing was building them on the inside. So when God brought them to the, to, to the foot of what he had in store for them to inherit, they were able to move in with great victory and take what God had for them in the future. Their problems had a very distinct purpose, but they didn't get it. And so this is what they did. And I wonder if there's anyone in this room tonight that's done this. Ah, oh, you know, and I... I don't want to use bad language, but sometimes when things go bad, you say things like, darn it. Anyone ever said that? Darn it. Maybe you've said worse. Golly gosh. I don't know. I don't know how bad you sort of go with your mouth, but, but uh, it, it, maybe you've been like that. You know, Maybe something happened this week and you're doing this and all of a sudden everything went wrong. Oh, darn it. And you got cranky and angry and you didn't realize what was going on. Because you were so focused on the circumstances right before you, you didn't understand the big picture. And so you get cranky, you get angry. Well, this, the children of Israel are going through the desert, right? They run out of water. And of course, you've got to have water to live. And there's 600,000 of them, so they need a fair bit of water. And there's no water in the desert. So what do they do? They bicker, they whinge, and they complain. God can't stand your bickering. God can't stand your complaining. You, you've heard of Anthony Robbins? He's written this book, you know, um, called uh, Release the Giant Within. Well, I'm going to write a book. Call it Slap the Weasel Within. Look <laughs> at that weasel, me, 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 you know. Yeah, but you didn't notice me, not taking the intention of me, you know. Uh, and it's, I'm not getting my own way. And, you know, how many you know in this room that we have a, in this nation, we have a propensity to whinge? And to complain, particularly about people in authority. Everyone likes to whinge about the prime minister or we whinge about the boss. You know what I mean? Or you whinge about the pastor. You better believe I know what's going on here. And, uh, and you, need, you need to know that, that God can't stand whinging, complaining, and bickering language. And the reason he can't stand it is because it shows a complete lack of faith. It shows a complete misunderstanding about what God is doing. 
you kind of like, you know, well, you know, it's kind of, well, if I was in charge, well, if God wanted you in charge, you'd be in charge, but you're not because God doesn't want you. <laughs> and you've got to realize that and say, well, you know, either, either you believe God puts people into places and you believe that Moses was put there and you believe that, okay, sometimes it's hard, but we continue to follow and we continue to work out. Or you get to a point where you go, well, I know better than, uh, than Moses. And they did this a couple of times. This happened. And the end result, every time was absolute disaster. Every time, um, more than those involved in the rebellion lost their lives. Um, what it comes down to, it comes down to a distinct lack of faith in God. It comes down to a belief that you don't think God really knows what he's doing, at least not to the same level that you know what you're doing. And so this whinging, bickering, complaining kind of spirit starts to rise up. But what did David do? See, David did something, and this is what I'm, I'm wanting you to sort of take away tonight. David did something, and you read his Psalms, and he starts off often, you know, outlining the difficulty of the situation, but he always ends up praising and worshiping God and writes these incredible poems, incredible Psalms and songs that the Christians have been singing, you know, since the beginning of, of Christianity, really, uh, and followers of God have been singing for thousands of years. Um, he, he, he had this supernatural language of praise and worship. And uh, funnily enough, I mean, even while Saul was trying to hunt him down and kill him, he wouldn't raise his, he wouldn't raise his voice, he wouldn't raise his hand against Saul. Because David got it. David understood. No, there was, a, there, there was a lion, but that lion's not a problem. That lion's a stepping stone to my destiny. And there was a bear, and that bear's not a problem. That bear's a stepping stone to my destiny. That's a problem, but it's only, uh, it's only, part, it's only the solution to my ultimate purpose. It's going to take me there. So rather than complain and whinge and bicker and whine, what did David do? David lifted up his voice and he worshipped God in the midst of his circumstance, in the midst of his issues. I've got to tell you, it's the pathway to the supernatural. When you understand that God can give you a language that's different than the language of the world. The language, does, the language of this world is a language of bitterness and complaining and, and, and putting down and, and whinging. But we have a language of worship. We have a language of praise. We have a language of adoration, of lifting up, of, de of declaring. Did you know that the first um, use of language in the Bible was not for communication? Um, it, it, there is a fundamental rule of, of Bible study that says, look to the rule of first mention. You want to find out what something's for, you look to see where it was mentioned first in the Bible, and you see the truth around that, and that gives you understanding concerning that particular thing. The first use of, of language in the Bible was not that I might speak to you. The first use of language in the Bible was that I might create. First use of language in the Bible, let there be light, and there was. Let there be, and there was. You see, there is a creative edge to your words. And when you're complaining, and when you're whinging, you know what you're doing? You are creating your future. You, you, are, you are creating your experience. We are a self-fulfilling prophecy and your words have incredible power. Uh, James said the power of life and death actually are in the words that proceed from your mouth. Now Jesus took this to a whole nother level. And this is where I need you to lean in and, and, and listen up because Jesus says this, 
And these signs will accompany those in Mark 16, verse 7. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. Now, there are three categories in the New Testament of new tongues. Um, I, I need you to understand this for where we're going to go in a moment. There's the category of new tongues that we see on the uh, day of Pentecost in Acts 2, where people were speaking in a language and other people were understanding them, even though they hadn't learned the language. So it's speaking in a language that you haven't understood, new tongues. There's the language of angels. There's an angelic tongue that, that, that seems to be uh, um, uh, passed on to men. He can speak in the in, in language of angels. Uh, but the one I really want to talk about tonight is the one found in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. It says this, Forever speaks, uh, for, for anyone who speaks in a, in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Instead, no one understands them. So this isn't a language that speaks that others can understand. This is not like you're speaking in another language. But this is the language only God can speak. And it says, they utter mysteries by the Spirit. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. So when you speak in an unknown tongue, you are speaking mysteries that people don't know, that you don't know, but you are creating a reality. Let me show you something that I've found incredibly interesting. Paul, when he was writing to a bunch of Christians in the first century, um, remember that Christians were trying to be stamped out by the, uh, by the Roman Empire. So they were up against it. And, um, and Paul writes to them in Corinth in, in his uh, first letter to them. And he says in chapter 2 and verse 9, he says, However, as it is written... Uh, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. It's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> it is written, he says. I challenge you to go and find where it's written. Um, uh, you, you Google that, that particular uh, you know, phrase, or you get, a, you get a Strong's Concordance, you try to find those words, you won't find them. Um, Scholars believe that it was written, he was referring to some Hebrew in, in um, uh, the Hebrew translation of the book of Isaiah. But the point is that he's drawing us to, to a conclusion here. Look, you might think that nobody knows what God has in store for you. If you love God, he's talking to these people that are undergoing incredible persecution, right? They're undergoing incredible challenge, lots of problems that are not of their own making. There is a, an attack against them be, simply because they're Christians, simply because they chose to follow God. They are being attacked by the government. They are being attacked by their, their, their uh, employers. They are being attacked by their countrymen. And Paul writes to them and says, it's been written, I hasn't seen here, hasn't heard, hasn't entered into you. Know, we haven't been able to think about what God has uh, in store for you. And when you don't know that, everything goes bad, you need, the immediate conclusion is, darn it, you know, things are rotten, things are bad, things are going south quickly. But he goes on and says, these are the things that God has revealed to us by the Spirit. So, he said, I hasn't seen, right? So you haven't been able to see it, hasn't entered into your mind, but the Spirit knows something. He says, these are the things the Spirit has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? Now, I don't know what you're thinking right now. I've got no idea. Some of you are 
you're playing on your phones some of you are half asleep and I don't know what you're doing maybe you're texting somebody maybe you're checking Facebook maybe you're looking at the football scores I don't know uh, maybe some of you are listening I hope so <laughs> but but you can you can put up a, a bit of a front you can sort of pretend that you're part of the deal I, I love what Pastor Tim shared this morning it's so dangerous to pretend you're part of something that you're not if your heart's not really there but you can pretend you can fool us all or, or most of us anyhow you know that yeah you're there you're part of it it's all good but nobody knows what goes on in the deep recesses of your mind but of course your spirit knows you know your motives you know your intents you're, you you might be fooling me but you're not fooling yourself you 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 understand what goes on he goes on in the same way no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God so the way your spirit knows you God has a spirit and God's spirit knows what God is thinking, what he's planning, what he has in store for John Hunt and for you. God's not completely up there clueless about our future. God, God is taking me on a journey. God is taking you on a journey. God understands its, its destiny. He knows where, it, where, where it's at right now, but he knows its destination. And, um, and I want to suggest to you that along that pathway, he puts... The, uh, he, he allows the enemy to come against us. He, put, he allows challenges. He puts a few obstacles. And what's this all about? It's all about building us up. It's all about making us stronger. It's all about, it's all about preparing us for what that ultimate purpose, what that ultimate goal is. But God has a thought about you deep in his spirit, deep in his heart. He hasn't told anybody, hasn't told you, hasn't told me, but he's thinking about it. Of course, God has a plan for you. God did not bring you here to see you fall. God did not bring you here to go, oh, well, that's it. We're finished with him now. That's it with her. It's all over. God brought you here to take you there. Right? God has allowed you to go through all the problems. I mean, let's face it, folks. If you were going to die, you'd be dead now, right? But you're not dead. You're here. And everybody said, yeah, thank God for that, hey? <laughs> For some of you, it was a matter of touch and go there for a while. But you're still alive. You're here. And God has brought you here because God is taking you there. God has thoughts, for you, thoughts concerning you. He goes on and says in the next verse, and this is, this is so interesting. He says, what we have received is not the spirit of this world. The spirit of this world is whinging, complaining, bickering, kind of no faith no expectation everything's bad and it's only going to get worse we have not received for we have uh received what what we have received is not the spirit of this world but the spirit who is from god so that we may understand hang on a minute he said a minute ago i has not seen he, has, he hasn't heard nor has entered into the heart of man the things that god is thinking about for him and now he says he seems to challenge that thought now, now he says, um, so that we may understand. That's interesting, isn't it? So one minute, you've you got no, no hope of knowing. The next minute, so that we understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit explaining spiritual realities with spirit taught 
words. Here's the rub. Listen up, all right? Five minutes, I need your attention. When you are speaking in a language that is not a language that you've learned from man, but a language of the Holy Spirit, you are speaking things over your life that God had intended, that God had breathed, that God had orchestrated. You're speaking it over your life despite the fact that you may not see it, despite the fact that you may not hear it. But it's in the heart of God and you're speaking it over your life and you don't even know it. But do you know it? Because he says here that we may understand it's as if, it's as if there is this transition that takes place that when you're speaking in a language that you haven't learnt, right, which is a bizarre thought in the context of human wisdom. But Jesus, remember Jesus, he took it up a level when he said, those who believe in me are speaking a new tongue. And, and, and it's like there's this, there's, this, there's this tongue that's not of this world. And it's not full of whinging. It's not full of bickering. It's not full of negativity and, 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 and put down. In fact, it's the opposite. It's lifting up. It's it's de- declaring uh, the goodness and and the, the the bright future that God has for you. And it's as if, as you speak in it, it starts to transition from a complete spiritual mystery to some kind of human understanding. It's as if this I don't know osmosis takes place. That, that as you're speaking, if I interpret that passage there with any, any reality, it's as if as I'm speaking in tongues and as I just continue just to allow God to pray through me, the Spirit of God to pray through me, that Spirit is the Spirit of God. He's been deep. He knows the thoughts He has for you. He knows the plans He has for you. He knows where things are going. He knows that these challenges are just little uh, uh, isolated steps along the way and they're just things for you to step over so that the next time you're bigger, God needs you bigger than you are now because God's got bigger things for you to deal with. In fact, I, I reckon that the problems of the world are waiting for the redeemed mind to solve. I reckon the problems of the world, there are solutions to those problems that exist in heavenly places. And the Spirit knows the answer to them. As you start to speak in tongues, it's like all of a sudden, this little thought starts to drop in the back of your mind. Where did that come from? It was just, it was, it was dropped in your mind as you were praying and you were praying this stuff that you didn't understand. But it was kind of like as you were praying it, this thought just started to, in left field, just started to flicker in the, in the, in the sort of the, the edge of your mind. It's like, take note of that thought. Take note of that thought. Because it just might be an internal kind of comprehension. He did say here, he said, so that we may understand. So it's kind of like you, there is some kind of internal comprehension about what you are praying concerning your future. You know, the other day I was just driving out past Ripley there and, and I was seeing all that, that big, huge yellow machinery that they're building and there's a whole new shopping center going on out there and all, all, all this huge, heavy earth moving equipment. And, and you kind of knew that they're not building a chicken pen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Like, like something substantial is being built here. Uh, something quite significant is happening um, because this isn't just, you know, this isn't just a, a handsaw and, uh, and, uh, uh, and a hammer. Uh, they, they, they've got God, uh, the, the, uh, 
they've got the heavy duty stuff there. And I just want to suggest to you that if you want a future that's not just built by a handsaw and a, and a hammer, God wants to give you the heavy duty stuff. But you've got to be prepared to receive it. You've got to be positioned to, to take it, if you know what I'm saying. And, uh, and, and I want to suggest to you that, that it's, it's like future casting. That when you start to pray in an unknown tongue, when you start to pray in a language that you haven't learnt, it's like you're casting the future over your life. You're casting the future over your life. And it's you're becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy, not in, not in terms of, uh, of understanding uh, the words that you're saying necessarily, although you, you can start to perceive it apparently. But, but in terms of what God has for your future, you're speaking it over your life. You're speaking it over your tomorrow and then you start to move into it it uh i got to tell you it's so much better than whinging it's so much better than complaining it's so much better than thinking oh well things are going bad it's just another problem and i can't get on with this person i can't stand that person this person's a nuisance i wish they would just get out of my life i wish i'd never met them i wish they could just disappear because they're too much of a problem to me uh you can start the you can start to speak like that and you need you need to know when you start to speak like that that you are starting to undermine your tomorrows you're starting to undermine your your own uh, uh, purpose and future in God or you can start to do what Paul said in the next verse of uh, chapter 14 where he speak, where he says he who speaks an unknown tongue edifies himself uh, the word edify means build edifice is a building and what Paul says when he says, he who speaks an unknown tongue edifies himself, what he's talking about there is that when you speak an unknown tongue, you are building up yourself or you are building, creating a future that you are about to move into a promised land that God has got for you. And you speak it out. You speak it out. He who speaks in an unknown tongue builds himself up in his most holy faith. Now, I don't know if you're here tonight and you need to be built up. I don't know if you're here tonight and, and you need some infusion of faith because you've had a week from hell or you've had a month from hell or you've had one problem after the other or you can hardly drag yourself around because you're suffering with a lack of motivation or you just don't want to put yourself out because you've been hurt before, hurt last time and you know you're going to get hurt again and you're not quite sure if you're up to the challenge. Then what you need to do is you need to listen to what Paul's got to say because Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. And he didn't say that as he was sort of boasting or, or, or somehow suggesting he was superior to them. He, what he was saying was, I need this more than you. Well, I'm not sure that's true. I think he was goading us. I think he was saying, if I need this, how much more do you? We all need this. We can't say Paul needs this and I don't. I'm no better than Paul. I'm not, not even suggesting Paul was better than us. What I'm saying is Paul recognized that he needed to speak in tongues because God had some incredible things for him to do. And uh, he, know, he, he knew that if he didn't keep this up, right, the next time they stoned him after death, <laughs> uh, the next time they threw him out of the city, he'd get discouraged. And you think, oh, well, woe is me. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I think I'm going to go and eat worms. Uh, but he wouldn't. He'd start to pray in tongues. He'd build up his faith. He'd go back. And, 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 he'd, and he'd win a victory uh, for God. And he was this ever-ready uh, ever bunny. He just kept coming back and coming back because he knew these things, these, these issues were just stepping stones into his future. And if he, if he developed the speaking in tongues thing, right, then he'd have the energy to respond to the issue at hand. Just a few minutes, I'm going to get you to, to stand. And we're just going to take a moment here tonight. We're going to open up the altar because I don't know who in this room speaks in tongues. I don't know who in this room 
um, maybe your tongue is full of complaint and whinge. Maybe you love to whine. Uh, um, the two mutually exclusive things, really. Uh, you, you, you tend to find out what's in a person's heart, you know, when, when things do go wrong and they don't get their own way, and then you listen to the words that come. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like we, we, we're no longer guising them, we're no longer hiding them. <laughs> uh, now they're really coming out because this is really who I am. And, and uh, when, when, the, when the, 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 the fractures start to come, the real person kind of starts to be seen. And I want to suggest to you that that's the, that's the time. That's the, start, that's the time when, when um, you better make sure that this heavenly prayer language is in place. Because if not, bile will start to spill from your mouth. If not, curse words will start to come from your mouth. You start to curse about that person. You start to put that person down with, with, with um, less than favorable descriptions coming from your heart. And how many know that you haven't got to watch too many movies to see that that's the way people you know, live, really? You know, all, all is good, all is well. All of a sudden, things don't start, start, don't, don't, you know, start going badly. And then all of a sudden, words are coming from my mouth and it's, it's impolite. It's worse than that. It's downright derogatory of others. I've got this little theory. I don't know what you think about it. I've got a little theory that says you can actually never call a person um, a word any worse than you think about yourself. That's a thought for you. I don't believe anybody can use a word to describe another human being that is lower than what they actually think of themselves. We've got to build ourselves up. See, we, we have this incredible self-defeat. And when things go wrong, we just think, well, that's it. You know, she's all over, baby. <laughs> you know, I knew it was going to go wrong. I knew I was never going to be able to achieve. I knew I could never overcome. I knew I'd never be, be a winner. I knew I was a loser. Because that's the, and then it comes out of your mouth because that's what you think of you. And people live with this incredible self-defeat because of who knows why. I could give you a thousand reasons, but I don't want to because, we're going, because I'm just be wasting time. So I want us to stand together. Let's stand up. And uh, we're going to sing, He's the God of Miracles. If the team want to join me, that'd be great. And um, then we're going to start to uh, just allow um, the Holy Spirit to, um, to just move into people's lives. And uh, look, you know, if you recognize that that heavenly prayer language is dried up in your experience, you haven't been using it, you haven't used it for, I don't know, for, for weeks maybe, maybe months, maybe never, maybe you've never used it. You need to be building. He speaks in unknown tongue, Edifor builds himself, builds his future. And as, as you do that, you get thoughts in your mind that actually are descriptions of what God has got for you. When you come in just a moment, three things to remember. Thing number one is we invite the Holy Spirit to come. Jesus clearly lays down the requirement. He says, he who seeks finds. So if you're going to come, come genuinely to seek and invite God. Number two, come with praise on your lips because I'm suggesting that Jesus took it to a whole new level that David understood the worship but worship is the beginning of this other language and it seems to sort of stack up when you look at when, when it first took place in Acts chapter 2 
but that's what they were doing they were worshiping god and then you know it was the, there was this mixture of worship and, and other tongues so so just start to worship god in in, in english just start to worship god and then, then the, the third thing is at some point you've got to make a decision <clears throat> paul says in first corinthians 14, 14 verse 15 he says i pray i will pray in the spirit and i will pray with the understanding it's like paul understood that was a decision ultimately that he could make and so don't don't, this is what you shouldn't do okay don't kind of you know wait for god to jiggle your tongue (laughs) because that probably isn't going to happen um you decide you take the initiative at some point you have to say no this is what i'm going to do and and it's kind of like it's it's there but you just got to spit it out you got to spit it out and uh Let's believe for, um, you know, for God to start that miracle working flow in your life so that out of your innermost being, rivers of living water might flow. Amen? Amen. So we're going to sing this song. Uh, he's the God of miracles. And uh, if you want to come for prayer, then uh, please just quickly just step out. Just come out right now. We don't have to wait for them to sing. If you just want to come, please come. And uh, they'll just start the singing. We'll just pray for those who come now. Thank you.